Section 127 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 158. London, February 6th, Old Style, 1752. My dear friend, your criticism of Veron is strictly just, but in truth severe. You French critics seek for a fault as eagerly as I do for a beauty. You consider things in the worst light, to show your skill, at the expense of your pleasure. I view them in the best, that I may have more pleasure, though at the expense of my judgment. A trompeur, trompeur et demi is prettily said, and if you please you may call Veron un nomant, and Sostrate un manceau, qui vaut un nomant et demi, and considering the denouement in the light of the trick upon trick, it would undoubtedly be below the dignity of the buskin, and fitter for the sock. But let us see if we cannot bring off the author. The great question upon which all turns is to discover and ascertain who Cleonisi really is. There are doubts concerning her etat. How shall they be cleared? Had the truth been extorted from Veron, who alone knew, by the rack, it would have been a true tragical denouement. But that would probably have not done with Veron, who is represented as a bold, determined, wicked, and at that time desperate fellow, for he was in the hands of an enemy who he knew could not forgive him, with common prudence or safety. The rack would therefore have extorted no truth from him, but he would have died enjoying the doubts of his enemies, and the confusion that must necessarily attend those doubts. A stratagem is therefore thought of to discover what force and terror could not, and the stratagem such as no king or minister would disdain, to get at an important discovery. If you call that stratagem a trick, you vilify it, and make it comical, but call that trick a stratagem, or a measure, and you dignify it up to tragedy. So frequently do ridicule or dignity turn upon one single word. It is commonly said, and more particularly by Lord Shaftesbury, that ridicule is the best test of truth, for that it would not stick where it is just. I deny it. A truth learned in a certain light, and attacked in certain words, by men of wit and humour, may and often doth become ridiculous, at least so far that the truth is only remembered and repeated for the sake of the ridicule. The overturn of Mary of Medicis into a river, where she was half drowned, would never have been remembered if Madame de Vernille, who saw it, had not said, La Reine Bois. Pleasure or malignity often gives ridicule a weight which it does not deserve. The versification, I must confess, is too much neglected and too often bad, but upon the whole I read the play with pleasure. If there is but a great deal of wit and character in your new comedy, I will readily compound for its having little or no plot. I chiefly mind dialogue and character in comedies. Let dull critics feed upon the carcasses of plays. Give me the taste and the dressing. I am very glad you went to Versailles to see the ceremony of creating the Prince de Condé, Chevalier de Lourdes, and I do not doubt but that upon this occasion you informed yourself thoroughly of the institution and rules of that order. If you did, you were certainly told that it was instituted by Henry the Third immediately after his return, or, rather, his flight from Poland. He took the hint of it at Venice, where he had seen the original manuscript of an order of the Saint-Esprit, Oudouard de Cire, which had been instituted in 1352, by Louis d'Anjou, king of Jerusalem and Sicily, and husband to Jane, queen of Naples, countess of Provence. This order was under the protection of St. Nicholas de Bari, whose image hung to the collar. Henry III found the order of St. Michael prostituted and degraded during the civil wars. He therefore joined it to his new order of the Saint-Esprit, 
and gave them both together, for which reason every knight of the Saint-Esprit is now called Chevalier des Audres du Roi. The number of knights hath been different, but is now fixed to one hundred, exclusive of the sovereign. There are many officers who wear the riband of this order, like the other knights, and what is very singular is, that these officers frequently sell their employments, but obtain leave to wear the blue ribbon still, though the purchasers of those offices wear it also. As you will have been a great while in France, people will expect that you should be au fait of all those sort of things relative to that country. But the history of all the orders of all countries is well worth your knowledge. The subject occurs often, and one should not be ignorant of it, for fear of some such incident as happened to a solid Dane at Paris, who upon seeing l'ordre du Saint-Esprit, said, Notre Saint-Esprit chez nous c'est un éléphant. Almost all the princes in Germany have their orders too, not dated indeed from any important events, or directed to any great object, but because they will have orders, to show that they may, as some of them, who have the jus connen des monetes, borrow ten shillings worth of gold to coin a ducat. However, wherever you meet with them, inform yourself, and minute down a short account of them. They take in all the colors of Sir Isaac Newton's prisms. When you inquire about them, do not seem to laugh. I thank you for Le Mandement de Monseigneur de l'Archevieux. It is very well drawn, and becoming an archbishop. But pray do not lose sight of a much more important object. I mean the political disputes between the king and the parliament, and the king and the clergy. They seem both to be patching up, but, however, get the whole clue to them, as far as they have gone. I received a letter yesterday from Madame Montconcile, who assures me you have gained ground du Côte des Maniers, and that she looks upon you to be plus qu'un chemin. I am very glad to hear this, because, if you are got above half-way of your journey, surely you will finish it, and not faint in the course. Why do you think I have this affair so extremely at heart, and why do I repeat it so often? Is it for your sake, or for mine? You can immediately answer yourself that question. You certainly have. I cannot possibly have any interest in it. If, then, you will allow me, as I believe you may, to be a judge of what is useful and necessary to you, you must in consequence be convinced of the infinite importance of a point which I take so much pains to inculcate. I hear that the new Duke of Orléans a remercié Monsieur de Melfort, and, I believe, pas sans raison, having had obligations to him, mais il ne l'a pas remercié et Marie Pali, but rather roughly. Il faut que ce soit un bourreau. I am told, too, that people get bits of his father's rags by way of relics. I wish them joy. They will do them a great deal of good. See from hence what weaknesses human nature is capable of, and make allowances for such in all your plans and reasonings. Study the characters of people that you have to do with, and know what they are, instead of thinking them what they should be. Address yourself generally to the senses, to the heart, and to the weaknesses of mankind, but very rarely to their reason. Good night, or good morrow to you, according to the time you shall receive this letter from, yours. End of section 127. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.